it goes right, it's a slice. If it goes left, it's a hook. If it goes straight, it's a miracle. This is Out of Bounds. If it's happening in the world of golf, we're talking about it. Coverage, debate, discussion, pro golf and local golf. Let's do it. This is Out of Bounds. And here are your hosts, Nate Sharman and Josh Derso. Welcome to another episode of the Out of Bounds podcast here on FingerLakes1.com. I'm Nate Sharman. Next to me, Mr. Josh So Josh, good to have you back in here for the week. What's happening? We are here. We got a chance to get off the microphones last week towards the end of the week and play some real physical golf in February in the Northeast. Some of our golf was realer than other parts of our golf, well, right? Yes. Simulator I, golf. Not to brag, I did play twice last week. Played golf twice. Once. Lucky. So, did, so did Bruce or Paul, I should say. You know, um, as at real golf at Silver Creek and Waterloo and then simulator golf at uh, Caleb score zone and Victor. Um, Both were awesome. We'll talk a little bit more about them towards the end, I think, but it was just great getting on the golf course last week. Um, Swing is definitely not where it needs to be yet for the season, but that's okay. Those were the first actual swings I've taken since probably November. Right. At this point, I was able to be go down into Florida on a family vacation and played a little bit in December. Yeah. But still, you're just you're playing to get out that's right. it like you're just doing something to get out i will right. say the exercise was, was nice. just being able to walk was nice too listening nice back to and watching yeah. some of the the stuff we shot while we were out um crazy windy that day that we were actually out in the real world playing golf at silver creek yeah we made tiktoks real, so you made a real crazy i made a play all with paul and i number 10 at pebble beach from the simulator yeah. head over to our tiktok out of bounds golf pod uh you'll hear josh narrating his hole and then me narrating paul and i's experience at score zone and victor but a guy that does have his golf swing figured out oh, does he ever. is Mr. John Rahm. Uh, John Rahm wins again. Now that's three wins in the, the calendar <laughs> year already. He flies up to number one, takes down Scotty <laughs> Scheffler's long reign of a week at number one. Um, the one thing I want to talk about before we get into the golf is uh, the, the monetary values so far. Big. Uh, we yep. talked about purses going way up this season for elevated events and other other events too. So by diving into the numbers, Rom's won $9.6 million already this season. And like I said, it's not March yet. We haven't even played a major. It's like and February he's won 20th. Just shy of $10 million. Incredible. So to put that into perspective a little bit, um, Max Homa, he won that Genesis event back in 2021, came in second to Max to uh, John Rom this week. Homa won about a half a million more this year for coming in second than he did two seasons ago for coming in first. So, I mean, we talk about how money has changed so much in golf over the course of a while. This is only two years, and Max Homa has become in a, in a, came in a worse position than he did two years ago, and he made more money. Yeah, I mean, that's just the nature of the new, the new elevated structure with more money in it, and I think it makes... Uh, I think it makes sense. Obviously, we're going to go through this shock and awe phase where the guys who are, you know, putting together really hot, really hot uh, sets of starts are right. going to rack up some serious bank a la John Rom. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see if he sustains if, you know, using Rom as an example, if he sustains this through, you know, another couple months and he's racking up even top five finishes. That number is going to get gigantic, right. even more gigantic than it already is. So the only money question I have, and I'll, and I'll, I'll phrase it to you here, is with that, you know, with John Rahm making almost $10 million, the purse is going way up. You know, I was reading a little bit about the Genesis Invitational 
and how weekend tickets were sold out and they were priced decently high. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Um, the only thing, do you get worried? It worries me a little bit that maybe the common the common person or just the average American will not be afford be not be able to afford to go to golf tournaments if we go on this keep going on this trajectory. I would assume that if sponsors aren't able to come up with the money, then perhaps. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm going to it's assume. Just an ungodly I don't. Money. I don't know. Like I don't know if. Um, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me to know like how much more expensive are tickets this year as opposed to last year. Yeah, just taking a look at like Oak Hill and Rochester. Uh, my dad was while well, working on purchasing some uh, season pass for the whole week. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I don't have like I said, we don't have the numbers in front of us. But that's ten years. The ten years in between, he said the month that was exponentially more. Oh yeah, of course. Costly. Yeah, and that's you oh, know yeah. over the course of ten years, a lot has changed with inflation. And yeah, stuff like that. But it's interesting. Going to be interesting to see um, year to year, like taking a look at say last year's U.S. Open versus this year's U.S. Open, and what ticket prices will be. Um, I'm looking forward to kind of looking at that. I mean, look, and, I and think diving into that once it happens. It it adding this money has had the desired effect. The desired right. effect was having more noteworthy Sunday afternoons right. earlier in the golf season. We've had some amazing Sunday afternoons. And there has been. Now, I don't know how many, you know, how many of these um, events have attracted non-golf fans, especially on weeks when you're competing with, you know, playoff football, the Super Bowl, or you're competing with like the, the Daytona, Daytona 500, 500. <laughs> you know, this past weekend. Um, I don't know, but I think especially as we move forward now, get into the Florida swing and we start to see, you know, um, Florida, Texas, um, with less competition for that weekend television space. Right, prime time in, in again, California. You know, I think I think there could be some really good gains here made for the tour. Right, yeah, they're just, it's been unbelievable. I mean, these, Max Homa is turning into a household name, one of the best golfers on yep. the planet right now. His social media presence is unbelievable. You know, the Full Swing documentary has him in it a little bit. Yeah. John Rahm is for sure a household name now for anybody. I, I would think even outside of the golf world knows who he is. Um, so it's just, it's pretty amazing what, what the tour, they've, they've gotten everything they've wanted out of this oh, these yeah. elevated event so far, Absolutely. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, what do you think? How significant was this win this past weekend for Rahm? Do you think it was any more significant than his other wins thus far this year or in this run, I guess, that we, we are watching him move through? I think yes, because if you ask him, and you saw, you see his tweet after in, in his post post round interview. You know, this was at Tiger's place, mm -hmm. so that means so much to these guys to win with Tiger Woods in your presence. Tiger Woods, you know, handing the almost handing the trophy to you, pretty much. You know, being able to be in his graces and you know, a legend, you know, one of the best, most famous golfers in the world of our of anyone's lifetime, and being able to get it from him and do it at his place is something that's really really special to these guys. So I think it is probably his most significant in his eyes win of the season yeah i would i would agree especially since it's an elevated event that too i would throw the caveat in there and maybe this is a little bit of me playing devil's advocate that i think at this point rom is the best player by a couple steps yes we'll say right it doesn't feel as it didn't feel as like shock and awe as his first couple right. um, wins that we've seen in the last few months. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm, I look. So I guess it's kind of like the question I have now is how long can he sustain this? Right. Because I don't think anybody expects him to go through the entire season this way. He's I playing would, in it. He's 
playing like out of his out of his mind. I wouldn't be surprised though. I mean, what's going to stop him, right? I mean, I I remember looking at that leaderboard on Saturday. I didn't have a ton of time to watch on Friday and being like, oh, John Rahm's winning. Yeah. Crazy. Well, like, Shocker, I mean, right? Scotty Scheffler did the same thing in the beginning of last year. Yeah, but this is even shorter amount of time. You think about Scotty, he won at Bay Hill and then he won at the Masters. Yeah. So this is even more of a condensed yeah. moment than Scotty. Were the events different? Sure. Last year. Yeah. You know, money was different. Very Everything much. was, there's a very much different, so, so different circumstances last year than yeah. there is this year, but still, it's, it's unreal. Yeah. I think at some point, I, I think there's going to be a question or a debate. And I think, Probably next week we'll end up talking because there's going to be a players meeting at Bay Hill. Mm -hmm. um, we'll end up talking about the what long term is it going to mean for these guys who are winning the elevated events with a smaller field without the surprise contenders that came up over the last four or five years as golf grew into this really deep week in week out field that we see now. Um, what do the wins look like without those guys in the field? Like, how are those measured long-term? Like, yes, you're playing right. against, in theory, the 60 to 100 best golfers in the world, mostly, but is it somehow eroded a little bit because you don't have, you know, the 100 to 150 or 160th guys right. that are also, you know, were also performing well enough to be in these events on a regular basis yeah. before so i don't it kind of it's a it's a wait and see thing there's a lot to there's a lot to dissect with that one but that's something that i think is going to have to be watched um shifting gears here a little bit uh but staying with last week's tournament pace of play is yeah. it seems like it's starting to become more of an issue that people are paying attention to right you're seeing scattered complaints on uh, golf Twitter is one thing, right? But it seems, especially after the last couple of weeks, with you know the tour having trouble getting through days one and two with pristine weather, right? Yeah, they didn't. I, I can't remember if it was there. I think it was Thursday. They didn't finish. They yeah, canceled due to darkness. So they were really close to being done. There's right, a couple guys only a few holes left, but yeah, that's something that you shouldn't even I be scaring it though, right? Like, right. if you've got a hundred and 50 guys in the field and you know you shouldn't have you think about it you say like well pretty close to you know pretty close to being done but we had i think i had seen there were a couple guys that had like three four holes left right and that's a significant amount of golf to play when yeah. it's getting dark i mean that's basically an hour yeah 45 minutes or an hour's worth of golf right it, it, does the tour need to do something yeah the one thing i don't understand is more so on the weekend right. on sunday they were playing split tees in threesomes after the cut <laughs> which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, three guys playing on a Sunday, especially that last group, you know, Rom Mitchell and um, Homa, they're playing, I mean, they're playing for $20 million. So they're not playing for, they're not gonna play fa fast adjacent, you know, they're gonna take their time. They're gonna make sure they are ready to hit. So they're not gonna play, Not. I'm not saying they're playing slow, but they're playing serious golf. And I just don't really get, it takes, it takes forever. It takes probably between five and a half to six, sometimes six hours for a group to play three three people you know playing for that kind of money on a sunday and they weren't hitting it great off the tee too homa and rom were hitting it left which i thought was strange because they're cutters of the golf ball yeah a couple times they were way left and i i just think it kind of takes it a little bit out of it when you know these guys are taking forever to get through the day on sunday you know i felt like i was watching that final round all day yeah it's tough and i think it's probably it's less of a problem right after the cut 
Right. But, but it's still, why are we playing threesomes on Sunday, though? I, I, I thought that was strange. You know, there's got to be a reason, of course, but... I think they were probably at that point trying to avoid what happened Friday, yeah, which was just half a, the field or less, more than less right. than half the field. I, I, see, it, it looked a bit like an overreaction, I guess, yeah. right? Like it was just like, we need to make sure there's absolutely no chance that we're even cutting this right. remotely close. And I understand why they did it, like at the waste management of the Super Bowl. You want to make sure you get done before that starts, of yeah. course. And that makes sense, but I don't know. It's just kind of strange to me, you know, just seeing three guys on a Sunday kind of always when there's no weather you know they do it sometimes if there's weather they want to get done they want to get the groups out on the golf course faster which makes sense but there's no problems yesterday and you might run you run into the daytona 500 but that's still not a big deal not as like the super bowl it's not as watched as that so i thought that was intriguing t to see I've, them playing I've, threesomes it boggles my mind that the answer that's right in front of us is not the one that the tour just hops on which is time the guys like you've got rules officials all over the place. Yeah. Put a put a spotter on every group. I'm sure there's a spotter of some kind. I'm sure the tour has some kind of spotter on every group that's out there in a major in most normal week in week out events anyway. Right. Put a spotter with a timer on them and make sure the guys are actually holding to the time that they're supposed to play in. Yeah, I think guys have a difficult time enforcing that. You know, it's it can be really challenging when you penalize this guy versus this guy and you figure out who in the group is really slowing us down. Well, it's like a play clock thing. Right. Like it, you essentially need to put a play clock on, yeah. on golf. I hate to say it, but like you want to talk about growing the game. Like that is one thing that, that grows the game and not the way any of well, us want the, right the game grown. Right. Nobody wants, you know, nobody wants to go out to their local, their local club and on a Saturday or any day of the week for that matter and be out there for five and a half hours. Can't agree more. Let's, Let's talk about Tiger Woods. He made his return. Tiger. Played pretty well, too, I thought. 69-74, 67-73. That Saturday, 67, was unbelievable. Uh, he hit a shot, I believe it was on number 12. It's a par five on the back nine. And he hit. He almost made a two. Yeah. Almost made an albatross. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It went just over the hole, pretty much, and not, then knocked in that short five-footer-ish for, for Eagle. Eagle. Shot 67. Heck so that was the Tiger day he looked best. It. That was the day he looked best. Yeah, sure. Sunday he definitely looked a little tired, oh, yeah. which is to be expected and, and is very okay. But it's just so great to have him back out there. Um, he just he's amazing and it really makes a big difference out there on my mind. Not not necessarily not always on the television broadcast, but just the guy's mantras too, for sure. I thought it was interesting. Um, you know, there was a little. It seemed like a little more attention paid to. You know, his back looked a little stiff. He was walking with a little more of a hitch on Sunday, mm -hmm. all that. Um, you know, some speculation afterward on Twitter about, you know, whether he could really contend on, you know, on the fourth day. And, you know, I just think like we would have seen a completely different tiger, physically speaking, if he were two strokes out of the lead going into Sunday probably yeah. than the one that we saw. Um, you know, I thought that it was pretty telling, like after when he was interviewed after Saturday's round, um, he said, you know, I wish I would, I wish I had, you know, made a charge a little sooner. Mm -hmm. So I'd, you know, at least be within like an arm's reach of these guys. And that to me sort of signaled, like he knew he was out of contention and he probably didn't push his body as much as he would have had he been. So I don't think, the way he looked necessarily on Sunday, that was the day he looked the worst, don't necessarily think that's a reflection of whether he can contend at a future date. Right. Um, 
obviously, if he's going to catch guys like Max Oma and uh, John Rahm, he's going to have to play a hell of a lot better than he did this past weekend. For sure. Clearly. <laughs> Let's talk about the, the tampon incident. Uh, you know, this was yes. something that I think rocked the golf world on Thursday <laughs> when, you know, Tiger, Rory, JT played together the first yeah. two rounds. And Tiger hit it by JT. He did it on multiple occasions, actually. Yeah. And uh, one of the holes, I, I don't know which one exactly, he appeared to uh, discreetly hand JT a, a tampon to yeah. to just play a little jab, a little a joke at his friend. Um, do you think that's a big deal as we're, we're making it on golf Twitter? Some people are. What's your thoughts on it? I think it, you know, if you are frustrated by it, I understand the frustration. You're yes, playing into the tropes, the, you know, the misogynist tropes. But mm. at the same time, I always come back to, and I've said this since, you know, since the late 2000s, basically, when Tiger's life fell apart. You know, I've admired Tiger my entire life for what he was on the golf course. Not the person he was off the course. And right. whether you want to say it was just a joke or whatever the case may be, all of these... Uh, all these guys have, um, all these guys have personalities. All these guys have uh, things that would be either cringy or you know stuff they do that just isn't up to everybody's standards. And Tiger, of all people, if you can't look at him and his life, his adult life, and say right. maybe we shouldn't really look at him on like the personal character side and think that this is a like a, a role model. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to, if you want to say like on a golf course, he works hard. He's, you know, the best golfer of all time. Yes, yes, yes. Check all those boxes. But role model, no. I just kind of like when I saw it and I knew what the reaction was going to be. You listen to the, you know, the complaints on Golf Channel and online, and I understand. I know. I understand why it's frustrating, but at the same time. It's Tiger Woods. Right. What, what do you expect? Did you, did you think the guy who cheated on his wife with forty-two different women <laughs> is suddenly a different a different person? Like he's he's at his core a different person than he was 12, 14 years ago? No, like right. he's still the he's, he's still the same person at his core. People don't change. Not right. like that anyway. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. The biggest thing for me out of this though is that. So we've talked about not only in golf but in all of sports, we want our athletes to have a personality, right? Yep. We want them to say maybe not necessarily what they feel at all times, but, you know, it's kind of say what they stand for and have that have that platform. Right. And so Tiger does this little this obvious joke. Right. And then we ridicule guys for it. So it's like we can't ask athletes to have personalities and then tell them their personalities are wrong or, or anything like that. So I, I think be that, funny until we don't like your joke. Right. And then when we don't like your joke, stop being funny. Right. So it's it's almost a little bit of a double-edged sword for me. Uh, I thought it, I mean, it's, I think everyone in the world thought it was funny. There's even some women personalities in golf that thought it was funny. You know, The it, majority. Yeah. The majority of, of, it seemed to be that the majority of, um, I'll say, I'll just call it golf Twitter. Right. Was not offended by it. You know, like Paige Brannick, who, who know, leads yeah. the women golf movement on Twitter, in my mind. Yep. She had a, a really funny joke, almost, or maybe more serious than a joke, that they Tampax should sponsor it and, and just kind of roll with it. And I and I thought that's a great idea. You might as well use that pot as momentum too. Well, but. and that's another, she's a really good example. And I think she was the one that tweeted it. Um, something along the lines of um, feminists can't pick and choose yeah. when they're going to be outraged. She gets a lot of hate. Right. Because of the brand that she has created 
around her mm. in the golf space. So it's kind of this like, okay, when are we going to be offended? When are we not going to be offended? Right. Um, I don't know. It's interesting because like then the next day Tiger is, you know, he he's walking, I think it was what, 15th, 15th, 16th green, one of the two. And there's the little girl who's, um, I believe, defeated cancer. That was so cool. And, you know, she wants to beat Tiger Woods. He goes up, he checks it off, off. He signs a glove, gives it to her, gives her a high five. It's like, you know, I understand like there's the, the, the thing that everybody wants to like cling on to, which is the controversy or whatever. But, you know, we, we cruised right by that. Right. We just like completely got like, you know, two headlines and the rest was like, oh yeah, but this, this tampon, that was a real big deal. Right. Uh, it's just whatever. That's, that's always how that's going to work. Impressed but. by his swing speed? Oh, very. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, he still takes a rip at it and he's got a body that's put together barely. So I don't know. I like my thing with that is, is looking at him now, like, especially I've looked at some pictures just from kind of like every few years, his upper body is so much stronger mm-hmm. now than it was in previous iterations of Tiger. He's, he's obviously not generating as much from his legs, right? Yeah. Like clearly, but he's compensated for that in his upper body. And you know, is it, it's not the same Tiger Woods, but it's not really, it didn't really take me by surprise that like some of the numbers we were seeing on, on swing speed right. over the weekend just wasn't. And it didn't really surprise me that he got by JT and Rory a couple times, you know, over the, the first couple days. Like, yeah, it's, that can happen. It's just pretty awesome to see that the big cat still got it. He does. All right, we'll move out of California uh, after our little uh, California swing. <coughs> and we'll head on over to the Sunshine State for the Honda Classic uh, awesome. this week over at PGA National in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. So we're back on the East Coast now for a few events here. Uh, Seb Straka won this event last year as uh, we get in closer to it. Um, let's get right into our picks. We won't do much too much about the golf course. Let's get into our picks, though. Uh, Sanjay M is the favorite at plus eight, uh, 850. Shane Lowry at 1,400. So not a ton of huge names in this tournament. Almost no names. Yeah, Sanjay M, uh, he plays in a lot of events too. So you don't have a lot of those household names. You won't have a, a star-studded leaderboard like we did these last few weeks. Mm-mm. But still fun golf to say the least as we start in Florida. Uh, who do you have to win this week, Josh? You know what? I'm taking, and this feels so much like an underdog pick, uh, Matt Kuchar. Maddie Skechers, huh? I I think he is going to win one for Skechers. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I you know like it's in, in a field like this, and this goes back to what we're what we're doing with these events, what the tour wants to do with these events. Um, you know, like they're really, especially after the last couple of weeks, seeing Rom and and Homa and the names that are at the top of the leaderboard this weekend is going to feel a lot different. Um, so I don't, you know, like I I hope a guy like Matt Kuchar can be in contention because I think it'll kind of be a bit of an attraction for golf fans to see to see Mm -hmm. like obviously he's not going to compete in those weeks when you know john rom's dominating that's a known name too but yeah matt kutcher is a name that people recognize and there are a few of them scattered in um your pick is one of those right yep billy horschel 25 to 1. i was gonna say that i would love to see a young guy win this week i just think that would be cool you know for his career and stuff but then i went and picked billy horschel yeah i figured that one out um, I just think Billy Ho knows knows what he's doing around these kind of golf courses. Um, I do have a long shot um, that's a younger guy in Ben Griffin, 5,500 yep. to one. He's been playing okay. His name's been popping up on the leaderboards here and there. But my main, I will say my main reason for picking him this week, he had a great TikTok that he played, he posted yesterday 
a day in the life at the Honda Classic on a Monday. Yeah. And I just thought that was kind of fun. So I really would love to root for Ben Griffin and would love to see his, his name up on the leaderboard this weekend. So that's what we're going long shot pick. I, my long shot pits is uh, Shep Straka again. How the defending it, champ. You are the defending champ. It's a far. And plus 3,500. No respect. No respect for the guy. Mm. So, Seb Straga, throw, throw 10 bucks on it. See what happens. I like right? it. All right, let's get, in, get into our DFS lineups. Before we look at this week, uh, we got to say, producer Paul Russo won again. He is online. Don't, don't let me tear. get hot. Oh, man. Hot. What's, can, you tell us, can you tell us your secret or uh, or what? I think I kind of alluded to it before a little bit maybe where it's just I, I kind of go higher purse and then you know kind of find value elsewhere I it I just try and find whatever I guess the fantasy average points a person has is it worth say if they're at 8500 are they is it worth that if they're only averaging say 65 fantasy points or something like that oh, probably not you can probably find better value somewhere else so um Wow. That's why I kind of do across the board. I mean, I know obviously whole philosophy over there. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all about differentiation for me and ownership yeah. numbers. Yeah, I mean, right. That's yeah, me. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot to, to kind of weigh in, but that's kind of my main thought process behind it. Got to find right. some diamonds in the rough per se. Yeah, I mean, I like my I like Get my lineup. I like my lineup. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about uh, two twenty one Honda Classic this week. I'll start with mine. We'll go left to right here. Uh, headlined by Ben Griffin, right? The guy we already talked about. You are all in on him. A couple more guys we already talked about. Uh, Billy Horschel, uh, my pick this week. And then your pick, Matt Kuchar. Um, finishing up that, Doc Redman, Aaron Wise, and Brandon Wu. I think if you're creating a DFS lineup this weekend, you absolutely have to put Kuchar in your lineup. I don't think you can have a successful yeah. team without him in there because he's just so consistent. Most guys without a picture. That's easy to do on a week like this. <laughs> uh, so I've got Ben on. Uh, Hayden Buckley, Love Matt Kuchar, uh, Denny McCarthy, Robbie Shelton, Sepp Straka. Um, again, I'm all in on. I'm just all in on Straka. Ben uh, Ben on has a, a fantastic Twitter presence. Oh God, yes. <laughs> oh my God. And finishing up with uh, producer Paul over there, Sanjay yeah. M, Shane Lowry, Harris English, Padraig Harrington, Zach Johnson, and Ben Gay. A little top heavy there, Paul. Yeah, I. This one's tough this is where you kind of see my uh novice knowledge within within the current state of professional golf kind of yeah kind of come in here but um i mean we'll see what happened i I got a what i'll call a a one hole lead currently on you guys so uh (laughs) good luck have fun as i saw from the simulator that can be erased very very quickly quickly. very Very quickly quickly. very quickly all right let's get into the champions tour though um we got a little bernhard lager to talk about this is Grinding my gears, man. So Grinding he's getting really gears. cool for anchoring. Uh, we see yeah. the picture up there now. Um, but first, I want to had I want to preface it with Bernhard Langer. Um, he's basically unbeatable. First of all, literally, he's now won forty five <laughs> times on the Champions Tour. That ties Hale Irwin for the most wins on the Champions Tour. He's challenging to beat not only on the Champions Tour. He was good on the PGA Tour. Um, I remember just a few years ago. Remember when Bryson made those comments about Augusta being a par sixty seven? Yeah, Bernhard Langer beat him that week. Yeah. That was awesome. Bernhard yep. Langer was hitting hybrids in all the greens. Yep. 
But going back to that, uh, the anchoring issue, I, it sounds like you're real fired off about it. I love love to hear your thoughts on it. I, it just it's gray area. Make a freaking oh, decision. There's come huge on, gray area. Come there. on, USGA, whoever whoever wants to yeah, come to the that, table. Look where that anchor is potted. I mean, it's that's something that they outlawed. You can't anchor it really against your body, but that that's clearly gray area. Clearly, you can't police it. Right. Because you're gonna have to watch them every. You're gonna have to watch these guys every Wait, single I, time. I don't. I don't mean to interrupt. They they outlawed this. Like yeah, anchoring. You can't anchor you can't anchor so to you your can't body. Like attach oh, okay. it to your upper body. Like you can't attach Zalatoris. like your arm to your upper body. Gotcha. You can anchor to your arm like Will Zalatoris anchors his putter on the inside of his arm. You can do that. But and there's you, gray. There's for sure gray area. And if you putt like Will Zalatoris, it just doesn't matter. <laughs> Guy's not gaining anything from anchoring anywhere. Oh man! Well, so, really but anyway, like it well, just goes back to the point of all of these governing bodies that golf has need to come together and make one decision on anchoring long putters. I mean, if this is the result of having a no anchor rule, then I think we need to outlaw the long putters completely. Okay. Responsive question then. Sunday morning skins match Silver Creek Golf Club. You have a guy <laughs> putting like that. What do you say to him? I say absolutely nothing. Okay. I say absolutely nothing because I could then. just go beat him. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but like it's the well, point not to me like it doesn't bother me. The anchoring part doesn't bother me. Like that picture that's up there on the screen, like that doesn't bother me. I don't think there's that much of an advantage to putting that way. It's just that's the way he's most comfortable putting. And that's just, that goes with all of the guys that anchored at one time. Adam I think Scott was an anchor. An I I don't think there. I'm. I don't believe that on those grains that there is that much of an advantage against the best of the best. I I just I don't see it. I really don't. Right. I think just being able to be more steady over the golf ball and 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 that makes you more confident. Yeah. I mean, brain. I it's as in, as much as it fires me up. The only thing that fires me up is that all of the the powers to be have allowed there to be just gray area. Right. Make a freaking very, decision. Very frustrating. Just sure. make a decision. It's not that hard. All right, we got to do our daily dose, our weekly dose, excuse me, of <laughs> of the live tour. Ugh. It's finally they're finally gonna play golf this week. They're in Mayacoba, <laughs> Mexico. Um, they've been releasing the teams <laughs> this this past week. Finally got them all released. Some little bit of movement from last year, but we won't spend too much time on that. Um, what I think is the most interesting and more interesting than the golf in my mind is just how this is going to work on the CW app. They announced their plans uh, on the events in the North American time zone, so like Mexico this week. Um, they're going to air live on the CW app on Saturday and Sunday on the one o'clock window. Mm -hmm. Friday apps, Friday rounds will all be um, uh, available on the CW app. And overseas apps or overseas events, excuse me, will be live on the CW app in the middle of the night. And they're going to put the rounds on tape delay in the 1 p.m. window on Saturday and Sunday. Liv is so much of a joke that they can't even get whatever they want on the CW. They're only showing it on the app. They're not showing it on Fridays, TV Fridays. On, on Friday Friday's round. Yes, they're not showing. If I'm Liv, I'm heated. Because you're working with the CW. The CW is saying like, no, reruns of, of Gilmore Girls Friday <laughs> afternoon is better television than this. What are, Like what? That's insane. I just, I literally just don't care about live anymore. I hate to say it as a golf, a, a steward of golf. I feel kind of bad saying that, but I literally just don't care. I had to unfollow all of 
the live golfers that I followed before on Instagram because <laughs> over the last week and a half, these stupid promotional videos unveiling the teams were just appearing one after another after another. And they would all post them at the exact same time, and all the league the league accounts would post them. So it just, just them. nonstop. I there was one afternoon where I just I I couldn't get away from it, and I was just like, I need to undo all of this. All right, we didn't go over this before the podcast. Do you have a pick? No, I don't because I don't care. Whoever wins on the CWL. Golf clap for them. And I'm taking DJ every life. week, every single week. Dustin Johnson, he's the best golfer on that tour in my mind. Not Cam Smith. No, Dustin Johnson is. Hmm. Yeah. Good for them. Also, I, I we'll talk a little bit about full swing. Um, but I just I just love Dustin because he's the only person on the live tour that said I went to the live tour for money. You know, I I don't want to play as much golf. I took for money. He's the only one that's admitted it, and I think that's really cool. He's just been, you know, every other guy has down, danced around all the problems that live. Then Dustin Johnson has been able to sit there and look into the camera and say, this is why I did it. Speaking of live things. So that's, I appreciate that. I'm okay with that. Being able uh, yeah. to be straightforward and tell yeah. me why you did it. Speaking of live things that we didn't put on the script that I think are, are if nothing else, a little interesting. Brooks Kepka allegedly starting to get a little antsy yeah. about being in live and maybe wanting out. That is going to be something to watch so closely because the tour has just been on fire. Right. Like the PGA tour has just sucked the life out of, and my guess is this weekend is going to come and go and the golf world isn't really going to care that much. Right. Alan Shipnock reported that Brooks <laughs> is having some buyer's remorse. So it's going to be super interesting to see where that uh, where that goes. It kind of makes sense to me, though, if you think about Brooks's trajectory and when why he went to live, you know, last year, he was a broken man in terms of his body, both his knees coming off knee surgeries. And so you flash this money in front of him and, you know, you're not sure if you can play that kind of, I mean, Brooks is his run of majors was incredible. There's not a lot of guys that can win that many majors in that short amount of time. And, you know, now that he's starting, it seems like he's more healthy now. And that's probably yeah. what comes out of the buyer's remorse. I selfishly would kind of like to see him back on the PGA Tour. I'd be okay. I'd be okay with welcoming some sort of agreement to get him back there if he does, if he is serious about it, because it, I think it would make the, the product on the PGA Tour even better to have another guy that can. Oh, I think that I think the tour would welcome a guy like the, the tour is going to welcome the first guy back with open arms because that's going to deal the biggest blow ever to live. Imagine the PR nightmare. That is going to crush. That will right. literally crush live. Yes. Yeah, I mean, there's just no, there's they, no avoid. Yeah, now that you say it and, and I think about it more, they'll certainly allow a guy back if they want to get yeah. back. Yeah. But there are some no, guys that, yeah. honestly, though, there are some guys where I bet the PGA Tours would just be like, eh, not really that worried about you. P. Reed, not really that worried about you. Right. Stay over there and live. Brooks, Phil, I think, is a guy they, a guy that falls into that category that would, that could, that they wouldn't care, you know, like, like you said, with like P. Reed, but with very few exceptions, I think there's the only a tour, few of those guys. The tour would welcome that first player back with open arms, right? Because they're going to be the one that kind of like breaks the dam. Yeah, and imagine the PR nightmare for. Oh my god, it would be a, it would be a disaster. They'd need a whole full swing series on how to how to get that back. You have gotten a little bit further through. Yep, I have one episode left. Full. So what what are your thoughts at this point? Moving through it, it's really awesome. It's produced really well. They did a really yeah, nice job with course. it last year. Yeah. Um, I really really like it. I'm really looking forward to la watching the last episodes with Rory McIlroy. 
So my only real uh, thoughts against it, I guess, whereas Ian Polder got his whole episode, got it, got himself pretty much an entire episode. I want to know who he paid for that because it's just a lot of Ian Poulter. So. I saw I saw some of that on on golf Twitter. Yeah, and they they keep t- they tell you every episode what a cut is, which yeah. is kind of funny <laughs> to me. But being able to tell you know people that don't watch golf what what we do every week on the PGA Tour is is meaningful to me. But it, it is just kind of funny. Um, but yeah, the production value is just unbelievable. I mean, they what they did last year behind the scenes, following every all of these guys, you know, every single week they have footage, not only from the golf course, they have footage in the car on their way to the event. Yep. They have footage at their house with their family. It's just really cool. It's it's I think you, if you can get a chance, Josh, you got to sit down and watch it. It's eight episodes, 45 minutes each, 45 to, to 50 ish. It's just something that you you don't really see at all with PGA Tour coverage. It's a lot of so much behind the scenes work of, with the players and their families and their teams. It's it's really cool. Yeah, it's definitely on the list. It's definitely on the list. Um, simulator golf. Need a little simula- simulator golf this past weekend, like we talked about. Yep. Um, biggest takeaway from simulator golf in the middle of winter. It was nice to just get out there and swing. You know, yeah. we went to like we said, we went to Caleb Score Zone a Golf Academy in Victor, New York. Um, we had a great time. Paul and I decided to go up. We were hoping you can make it to next time for sure. And um, it was just fun. You know, you're able to play a course like Pebble Beach, which yeah. is fun. How many opportunities do you get to play to as a normal person get to play Pebble Beach? I certainly haven't been here on the East Coast. Hopefully I'll get out there one day. But uh, good remarks from me. How about you, Paul? Pebble Beach is hard, man. <laughs> it is a challenging golf course. When we first what got you know? there, you know, our, our, uh, our good buddy there that was working, Max, we, we, we recommended, we asked if we could play Pebble because I saw him scrolling through and he looks at us and he goes, it's challenging. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, eh, let's do it. I mean, do you want to play a pitch and putt course? I mean, when you... Then we played it at like 6,100 yards, which isn't a pitch and putt. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a little pitch and putt to tour standards. To tour standards for sure, to, but I am not you know, near tour standards. Playing to, you know, central New York standards, that's fine. That's a normal golf course, 6,000, yeah. 6, We had a good time. Um, we only booked an hour and uh, Max let us stay a little late. So we were able to get our, our round in. Yeah. So what I recommend for anybody playing that simulator golf book an hour per person yep. seems to be seems to be the uh, the, the norm. Um, you can I mean if you're two people you could probably play in an hour but there's there's no time for talking. You're not gonna have fun. You're not. <laughs> yeah, and I mean it you're depends on the person, racing. right? Yeah. You're gonna be racing to to get done. You know, you're not able to kind of whether it be go through your pre-shot routine or talk to a friend before you hit that shot. But overall, fun. That's good. Caleb Love it. All right, that's all the time we have today. So we'll be back next week, next Tuesday, for another episode of the pod here on FingerLakes1.com. Be sure to head over to TikTok, follow us there, Out of Bounds Golf Pod, and Twitter as well. And remember, whether it's down the middle or out of bounds, keep on swinging. You've been listening to Out of Bounds. If it's coverage, debate, or discussion of pro and local golf, we'll be talking about it. Be sure to visit the website at FingerLakes1.com. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at OutOfBoundsFL1. See you next time on Out of Bounds.